0: could always start over with you, but I forgot what I was gonna say. Um, <clears throat> welcome. Let's to, start over. Let's no, no. We we already started over. All right, we're going with this. We're going. We're doing it. Welcome, I'm Jack. Welcome to Jack. I'm, welcome I'm, to Jack. I'm, I'm, welcome I'm to Jack. The Wages of Cinema. And this is my co-host. <laughs> I am the Jack Cast. No, welcome to The Wages of Cinema. I am Jack, and always with me is Andrew. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, um, we return now to our segment for this year uh, that we're doing, What the Devil Is That? Right. Um, And this one uh, is not a movie that uh, your resourceful wife came up with. This was a recommendation from another fan of yours. Yes, you could say that she's a fan of mine. Uh, (laughs) God, now we're getting the, like, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, Mother? Yeah. No. Yeah, my mom recommended this one. uh, And it it uh, the funny thing was I, it wasn't until a couple days ago, and she recommended this movie a while ago, so this isn't out of the blue. But uh, I suddenly realized I had heard of this movie, not this particular version, but I had heard the title before. Yeah. So technically, the thing was I'd forgotten about it totally, and. Occasionally, I'll replay interviews with directors that I've watched, yeah. like that I've seen a bunch of times. And um, there was this video where Quentin Tarantino was interviewed shortly after Pulp Fiction came out. Yeah. And uh, he mentioned uh, the movie Backstreet. Uh, really. Yeah, I've no, and but the thing was, I think he was referring to the one from the '30s, because the thing was, we watched a remake. We did. Not only that, we watched a movie that was. This was the third remake. What? Yeah. Or this you can like say or Maltese could... Falcon yeah. all over again. Well, or the third so adaptation. The movie we saw is, of course, yeah. Backstreet. But was about directed say, by David Miller. Yeah. But this version, so Tarantino was referring to the th- the one from the '30s, and he was like, "Yeah, there was this movie I watched called this wonderful, wonderful melodrama called, called Backstreet." Oh yeah. And the way he described it, he was using it in some other context, and he said tragedy is like another character that was his way of describing it. would you say that's an accurate description for this no but i would say that's definitely a melodrama oh yeah this is this is such a melodrama it is so it is such a movie but, uh, but again it seems you said this is the third <coughs> adaptation of of backstreet yeah this, this was a book originally uh, written well, by uh somebody I just had the name in front of me a moment but ago but it still feels very much of its Fanny size. Hurst Fanny Hurst was the author Oh so that's who Fanny Hurst was in the t- in the uh in the title Yeah Fanny Hurst's Backstreet. Right Um it's like Lee Daniels is the Butler <laughs> or uh, Tyler Perry's Temptation or Coppola's Frankenstein Well that was Bram Stoker's What what? Never mind Br- Fra- Coppola <laughs> didn't do Frankenstein no, wait, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein <laughs> I meant Dracula. You I mean Coppola's it. Bram Stoker's Dracula. There we go. Yeah, there we go. We run a podcast about movies. Yes, we do. And we're going to talk about this one. Um, so this movie We've is... We've got two actors in this. What That's right. Well, there's, well, there are three, yeah. actually. Uh, and one of them, uh, Susan Hayward, who... I actually have not, until now, I have not seen a single movie with her. Really? Yeah, and she's a pretty... She's known uh, in from the industry. Uh, probably a movie that you've heard of her. Uh, I, oh, she's in Valley of the Dolls. I thought so. Yeah, I just looked her up. Not beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Valley he, of the Dolls. Yeah, just I plain Valley of the Dolls. I, I know who she was in that film. She, I don't think she was the star, though. No. Right? no um, she was also in uh, I Married a Witch which I think you also talked well, yeah, about yeah I have seen that yeah so you've actually seen a couple of movies with her <laughs> Susan Hayward oh and also uh, I Want to Live I've seen that too really? no <laughs> I've heard of that. I've heard that title. though. I'd so, heard of "I Want to Live." So it um, won't be on "What the Devil Is That." No, I'd heard of "I Want to Live" because that's a very that's a title that stands out. Yeah, uh, for sure. But she's made a lot of movies that I had not even heard of, and I'm gonna steer away from this page. I don't know it. But yeah, um, she's the star. She she and then you also have John Gavin and Vera Miles, right? Who you will probably know for sure because they were in Psycho. Um, they're the couple that spend like the second half of the movie trying to find out what happened to Marion Crane. Yeah. Uh, and you would know John Gavin. Spoiler just, alert! It's he, not good. He's actually the first man you see in the movie because that opening scene with Marion Crane. Yeah. And her lover in the m- motel room or the hotel room, it's her and John Gavin. Yeah. Um, but this movie, you have this uh, woman who, uh, meets this uh Marine Ray Smith. Uh, uh no well, well she's ray smith yeah she has a man's name i guess R- it's R- r-a-e yes as long as she never mind and then she she meets paul yes who's this marine he's coming home he's like oh i'm done with the marines I'm, I'm going home now he has the is this did he already have the department store chain by then yes okay yeah we'll, well get sex, into that in a minute we'll get but, into that for sure uh so Paul he's going home he's in the airport his flight gets delayed and through a, a wacky series of events he and Ray meet up and they have like this little fling like for less than a day and then she finds out he's got to go home and he's probably married and then well there's... she doesn't know that he's married at the time right right away she she immediately falls in love with him because he seems uh unattached right and then after he leaves he looks her, him him up she looks him up and then sees oh oh, not only is he married, they had a big wedding. He had one of those weddings that she could just look up. On. And they have two children too. Yeah, they have two and children. Then, so she's like, oh, I'll forget about him. I'll go. I'll go to New York. And then she becomes this fashion designer. She designs dresses. She goes, and then she meets up with him again. Yes. And then we find out through several cities and several uh, and several. This meetings. is a continent. This not. This is a continent hopping movie. Oh yeah. Or country, well, hopping, we go between I say. two continents. Uh, S- same thing, right? And then it's just like he finds out her her wife is awful. She's an alcoholic. She wants him for his money. She's a drama queen. She oh yeah, that's putting it that, get lightly. Right yeah, Vera Miles is the wife, and they carry on this lengthy affair. Yes. So there we go. Pretty melodramatic. You film. could call this also I I a title that I thought of is like not so brief encounter (laughs) this is the very long encounter yeah (laughs) um yeah again very melodramatic this the way that we we watched this together which is different than what we did with dead ringer where we were able to watch that on our own this was a little bit tough to track down it is on dvd if you want to watch it um but i don't think it's on many on-demand things The DVD came from Turner Classic Movies, so thank you, TCM. Um, But, yeah, the the way to describe this movie, when we were watching it, there were, any time that Susan Hayward and John Gavin kissed, that could have been a book cover. Yes. Uh, Uh, (laughs) Especially, like, I don't know if it's the first time, but one of the times that they kiss, they're the backdrop is the ocean. Yes. And the movie does that thing where the couple kisses, the camera pans away and shows the ocean waves crashing on the beach. Yeah. So that you know what's about to happen. That's 1961 movie code for they're having sex right now. Oh yeah. (laughs) They're having very hot sex. And the thing is, I don't dislike this movie. Okay. I was pretty entertained while watching it. It's not the greatest movie I've ever seen. (laughs) Well, Yeah, that's a a polite way to say it. But even though I enjoyed it, there's a lot to make fun of. (laughs) Oh, it is so corny. I don't know if I, I... I did enjoy it. I'm not sure if I could call it a very good movie. I guess the movie knows what it is. Even though there are a few parts where I was just dumbfounded. Oh, yeah. Uh, by some I, of the And it's states. funny, and I guess it just made sense. I mean, maybe it was just because, you know, I recognized uh, all the, Susan Hayward. Yeah. and But, you know, I, I got this Valley of the Dolls vibe. You from pointed the that out. And probably because they share a somewhat similar style. They're about people who move in those similar circles. like Okay, well, yeah, well, Valley of the Dolls, does that take place in the fashion world? A little bit, but there's a greater scope to Valley of the Dolls. But this this sec- this sequence of events would have slotted into Valley of the Dolls quite neatly. Yeah, and then even earlier on, the first act, the pacing is just ridiculous. The oh, first it's... act is and you actually said that it almost had the pacing of beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Things happen so fast in the first act because I mean so much is happening. Ray and Paul meet and like they instantly fall for each other and it's like immediately thing, immediately and she's like by the end of like 23 hours we she, timed it 18 minutes into this movie she professes her love for him she is ready to leave her home and go wherever the hell he, he's going does she has no idea well you know well you know when you have when you bring a girl to a pond by bo- a, a pond a, a lake yeah and, and when, you and you lay out a little blanket and have a picnic and and then you go to a diner and eat breakfast at 4 a.m. I mean, you've shared a lifetime together, she, well, That's what this Men, take note. If you want to have the woman fall head over heels for them, spend, like, a day and a night with them. Oh, yeah. And, but don't, and don't stop. Just spend, like, the whole day with them. and Don't be out of each other's sight. Yeah. And it's not like they're necessarily... I don't know if they're really saying much of substance to each other. They're just kind of, like, smiling at each other. And they, have, they have romantic patter. She does draw him. And the, let me talk about the drawing for a second. So, yeah, again, so Ray Smith, she's a, a fashion designer. So throughout the movie, you see a lot of drawings of women in dresses and things like that. So she clearly has artistic skill. But she makes this drawing of uh, John Gavin where it looks like he's caught up in the tornado from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Like his head is gonna wind up in odds. It's like she's drawing his head in, like in the midst of the ripples of a pond, because she's like. But but that's not how it looks, though. It looks like a tornado. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It looks ridiculous. I love it, but it just looks so like. Yeah. Ultimately, like that's that's something I think we're gonna say a lot. It's like this is ridiculous, but I love it. uh, Sort of um so so this is the kind of movie where the first act ends let me just talk about when uh so he oh yeah so he has to leave um uh the the john gavin character and uh paul and you know he goes to the airport and she wants to try to catch him before he leaves because either she wants to go with him or she wants to stop him from leaving the series of events that happen to her as she's trying to get yeah. to the airport. It's like she's driving her car really fast and all of a sudden her car breaks down. And then another guy, you know, she she flags down another guy and tries to get him to drive her and and he won't, but he'll you know, push her car to the nearest gas station. Right. And then she gets into, like, somehow her car gets fixed, and she goes to the airport, and, you know, just as she's trying to run out, the air, the airplane's leaving. Yeah. And then she says to, no, just I guess to herself and to the audience, like, why couldn't you have waited? Why couldn't you have waited? Why don't they look? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There were a num- There are a few times where we made uh, I, I, Casablanca jokes like that. Yeah. Because a few, saying. at least a few scenes take place in airport terminals. Yeah. And it's like so much is happening. Like she runs out of gas, and then you know they close the gate on her, and then you expect like, oh no, a meteor's coming. You know. <laughs> and then you kind of settle in for for what you know is going to be the the story it's kind of a, an infidelity tale it, it's a story about a love affair and it's like the rest of the movie is going to be about them getting back together and and who knows but then they throw in that wife oh uh, the, the, the she was my favorite character <laughs> <laughs> she's the be- Vera miles plays paul's wife who is basically a total mess she is she is a she is psychotic She she's (laughs) an alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, She's a super again. We I said this word before, but I must emphasize drama queen because you know she, you know Paul just wants a divorce. Yeah. He's like, look, we're not happy. This isn't working out. Just give me a divorce and we'll let's go. And she's like, no, I will never give you up. You're mine. Yeah. And it's hard to, it's hard it's like, to understand what? from this. Just one viewing of why she's like, oh, I don't want to be the ex miss Paul Saxon. And I don't want to, I, I want, I want to be able to carry on my infidelities without anyone being suspicious. And there, it's like, wait, what? There are a couple <laughs> of things I could think about. I mean, again, this is the third version of this story. The first version dates back to 1932. Ooh. Uh, John Stahl directed that one with Irene Dunn and Sazu Pitts. Wow. I've heard that name before. Yeah, me too. Um, and there were a couple other people in that. Maybe back then, you know, just divorce was unheard of. Oh, well, it, did, it certainly wasn't By ni- common. No, no, in 1960, it was difficult to do a divorce, but you could do it. Yeah. Like, it, it, she's just basically putting up this big conflict where she's just you know you would think too logically he owns this big department store chain she gets a divorce she's gonna get a lot of money from yeah, that and it clearly says look i'll give you like plenty of money just divorce me please she has but no like but, but the but why she holds on is just really tough to fathom and just constantly threatens i'm gonna kill myself i'm gonna do this dramatic stuff and um Oh, yeah, and they have two kids, which yeah. are which you can forget about for long stretches of the movie until the movie shoves them, them in your face. Yeah. Or especially the sun. Oh, my God. Uh, but I love Vera Miles as an actress, though. And she really brings it. Like, she, uh, aside from Psycho, she appeared in a couple other uh, Hitchcock things. Uh, she was the original choice for, uh, uh, what was Kim Novak's character? vertigo oh shoot i just watched this five times yeah we just <laughs> we just did this in the tank i'm, I'm having i'm having blackouts uh, um oh wow i madeline just, madeline yeah she's she's she was supposed to play madeline and then she got pregnant or something uh well, but the audacity i know well hitchcock really thought that um <laughs> like she 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 kind of he'd kind of planned for Vera miles to be one of his next like big stars or something like a new grace kelly and then it's like oh she's pregnant and I'm giving him... That's like a, Alan Rickman. I know. Alan Rickman was pissed but, off, too. Uh, but but she was also... She was in The Wrong Man, and she played a very different character in that movie right. as Henry Fonda's husband, so... As Henry Fonda's wife. <sighs> yeah. Uh, whatever. Uh, okay, I've done that. Yeah. So, watching her... like, If you were to watch her in The Wrong Man and then see her in Backstreet, you would see an actress who can go between two very different characters... Now, having said that, it's the writing of her character is just so bad. Oh yeah, because she's given it's, nothing except that, like, I am a cold, heartless harpy who will not divorce you. And I will not take my claws out of you. She like, it's she's such a type. Yeah, and that's that's the th- That's the weird thing about this. I mean, because they uh, like again. Ray and Paul, they're not the deepest characters, but they try to give them something. They're likable. Yeah, I Ray, you, you you kind of feel for her. She has a look about her. She has she she has an attitude of, this is me. I'm a positive person. I'm trying to do. I'm tr- I'm trying to live my life. And even though I don't know what that is, I still, I, I'm still trying. Yes. And then Paul comes in and he's handsome. He he's kind. He's this really he's a looker yeah in that kind of rock hudson slightly bland white guy way right. like i felt like he was such a rock hudson type um, that is certainly his type see the funny thing was when you said valley of the dolls a movie i thought of were was um not specifically one in particular but a number of the douglas Cirque melodramas from the 50s mm-hmm. And by the 60s, Cirque actually wasn't really making movies. I forget why. He just left Hollywood. But this has the feeling to find of... Himself. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> he got, um, But this has the feeling of a Cirque melodrama, but not up to the level that he kind of brought it, because he had this kind of level of craft that was really astonishing, and even just how he used color was really amazing and... Uh, uh, but in this, it's just kind of a studio movie, right? Which is fine, but um. Right, but again, we go back to Paul and Ray. They're likable, yes, and, and they have their problems, and you just and you do kind of, and you do feel that they're happiest together, and you you want them to be together. Yeah. Uh, well, at least I did. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I I did. Um... And then, you know, they're and of course they don't have much depth. Vera Miles's character doesn't have much depth either, but she's the exact opposite. She's horrible. Yes, she's possibly a horrible crazy. Person. Yeah, because you know she she's she threatens to kill herself and attempts to kill herself. Yes, and she there are hints that she's she's thought of harming the children, and ultimately yeah. she does something at the end. You would which think that uh, no nope. really drives yeah. matters south. Yeah, and you would think that like. The children have seen none of this for yeah. some reason. They've been completely shielded from the crazy. Well, to be fair, they are rarely with their parents. That's right. They're these always are, being taken care. This is like let me. This these is something. are rich folks. Yeah, we should talk about that for a second. <laughs> this is something that we brought up to each other when we watched the movie. Um, this movie. This is the kind of movie that can only work when the people are really rich. Yes. Um, uh, because, because you can't really obviously you can't get poor people uh to be hopping from rome to paris to new york and, and live there for extended periods of time and have beautiful vistas across like the ocean and uh you know to own beach houses and to be able to afford country cottages for their it, mistresses in that sense it's it's this is a fantasy yes we could say i mean that's I, and i'm not getting i don't want to get down on the film for that because it is what it is it understands yeah. what it is i mean these are just things which are really easy to poke fun at <laughs> oh god <laughs> i think we, about, we, we were kind of, we were making remarks left and right this movie I, what I, were a couple of the lines that oh God! oh there were a couple lines i asked you to write down there was a line involving the forever oh i got it i got it forever is such a long time and there was wait, wait, another wait, wait, one. There's, there's more. I wouldn't leave you for all the department stores in the world. <laughs> yeah. Here, here was my favorite because okay. it really speaks to, to, to the kind of film it is. You're out of my life forever. When people say that in a romantic film... That means the exact opposite. You oh, know? oh, oh <laughs> I'm of thinking, course. It means I'm thinking about you all the time. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, but that's ultimately what this film is. If we accept it as a romantic melodrama... Oh, very romantic. Uh, it's steeped in the tropes of romantic melodrama. Yes. What do you think it does best in terms of romantic melodrama? Um, I, I guess well as we talked about just before a second ago the main couple is likable right so as far as giving us a couple that we kind of want to see get together i mean are they the best couple ever you know, again they don't, we don't we don't have the depth of uh certain movies where i mean we have ideas. but but we have an idea of how they have the chemistry like in Hayward and Gavin when it comes to the movie itself too the actors i think work pretty well too yeah but um and then also um some of the locations are really lush and uh, uh you know it, it obviously hey we know this is paris because we have the france tower in this shot <laughs> <laughs> we made that joke when we were watching it french um, Tower, yeah, yeah. that and... french tower that's in paris you know the one yeah um, tower. i think those are probably the strongest parts what's probably doesn't what doesn't work is a, is a number of dialogue moments are kind of clunky. Uh, well, we just gave you examples of And also, a couple of the actors. Well, one, well actually, no. Also, you know what I will say? Um, with the exception of one actor who it might not be fair to criticize him, but I'll get to that in a minute, I also liked some of the smaller role supporting actors. Yeah. There's, there's this that woman. There's who- this one character who plays Ray's boss. When she's in New York. Yeah. Uh, the, the the boss at this fashion place. Alien. Yeah. He looks a little bit like a more tight-ass uh, Salvador Dali or something. Because he has like the little thin mustache. He it, it, and he even twirls it. Yes. He twirls it in one scene. I, I lost it seeing that. Like you're actually twirling your mustache. I love that guy. He committed to it. 100%. He committed to it. There are a number of actors who committed to it. He committed to it. Ray's friend in Nebraska. Yeah. She was she, cool too. Yeah. So. The movie gets those kind of parts right, uh, as far as the supporting roles. Yeah, and even though the boss is very blustery and very, like, s- saying things to her that some people would probably just crumble, yeah. she just kind of takes it in stride. Yeah. And, yeah, I liked his character a lot. Um, what I didn't like so much was uh, the, the child actor who played Paul Jr. Yeah. Oh, Paul Jr., the eldest of the two Pauls. Yeah, children. <laughs> I was about to say, oh, you mean Paul McCartney or something? <laughs> uh, not that Paul. Um, I yeah. child actors are always so hit and miss. Yeah, I almost feel like it's hard for me to say, well, this child actor was terrible. Well, but 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 they can miss so wildly though that it becomes distracting. Mm-hmm. Like, and the thing is, when you first see uh, Paul, the old you know, and the two kids together, they're just. The kids, they're basically props. They kind of come in, they're like, Oh, dad, hey, we're gonna go out. No, I can't do it today, you know. And then they're kind of put taken away by their nanny or whatever. But then there comes a moment where he becomes part of the plot. Yes, that's when the trouble starts because then they're at an airport. You mean when he has to act, when he has to actually emote? That's what I'm talking about. And yeah, as you said, child actors, it's always tough, but this one, it took me out of the movie. Yeah. That he was that bad, because uh, what happens is the the Paul Jr. He's at the airport with his father, and he suddenly notices Ray is sitting there, and yeah. I guess he's has he seen her before? I kind of lost no, that part but, of the movie. But he he learns basically from people talking and from seeing her all the time that it's like this this woman is involved with. He even dad. goes up to his father and says, "What do you call that thing that's more than a coincidence?" Right. And, <laughs> and then he finds that. Then Paul, I guess Paul Junior notices the that she goes up to meet him or something in a place, and when she comes down to go to her car, the kid confronts her. Yeah. And he has a moment with her where he yells at her. Oh my god! Oh, oh, it was so bad. The weird thing for me about him was I wasn't so much bothered by the the, the uh, suddenness of that scene. I was bothered <laughs> I was by what happened after. Where the two, where Paul uh, where Paul he tries and he tries Paul to comfort Jr., his son. They they try he tries to talk to Paul Junior about it. Yeah, and he, the son acts in this way where it feels like the part was written for somebody maybe a few years older. Yeah, maybe three or four years older because he's like I know about everything now. I he's like, like you're eleven years old. You don't know how to tie your he shoes. Literally in this film, eleven <laughs> years old. But he's saying like saying, "You should stuff like, oh, you shouldn't see her again anymore." Or, "How could you do this?" <laughs> what they should have done was had like, instead of that being the kid, maybe they like they they should have had that Paul had like a brother or sister or something, and helps take care of the kids or something. And then, because then if it was an adult doing that scene, it would have been overwrought. But at least the actor could have brought something to it. Instead, you have this little kid who's told okay now you're really upset at daddy it's it's a part written for a teenager it's if a part written for a teenager a teen, like because it, the teens you know they sh- you expect that sort of angst and uh, and anger about yeah, that, like, from a teenager like when you're a, when you're a when you're prepubescent kid it's like no it doesn't fit no, it, it feels it has a little bit of that Phantom Menace problem. Yeah, you you what is, what is the Phantom Menace problem? The you Phantom Menace, Well, when I watched the Phantom Menace again uh, uh, for the first time in a while, about a little over a year ago, um, and I might have talked about when we when I talked about on that podcast. I think that episode is somewhere back in the day. Um, I I mentioned that. If Anakin had been maybe more like fourteen years old or fifteen years old, closer to Natalie Portman's age, then it's not like it would have been. Oh my god, exponentially better, but it would have made a little bit more sense. Yeah. In the story, in that story, instead of him being a little yippee kid, you know what? This was something that confused me when Attack of the Clones came out. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's let's take a slight detour. Okay, sure. I I was thinking about this. as like. Queen Amidala Natalie Portman's character she's got to be 18 years old in that film um, as a no, character I don't know is she maybe she's at least 16 okay and Anakin is maybe 10 are you talking about in Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones in Phantom Menace and okay. then when you get to Attack of the Clones Anakin's grown up Natalie Portman looks the same yeah <laughs> And you know, of course, different actors. But I mean, this seems like a really awkward shift because, first of all, Anakin's a child, and Natalie Portman's an adult. And then when they grow up, there's this huge age difference. It's kind of, eventually, that got lost in the clash of what's really wrong with the prequels. Sure. But this—that was something that's like, wait a minute. So what? What's going on? <laughs> I didn't really think about, about the, the age difference there. But yeah, when you think about, it, she's the older one in that relationship literally she is older yeah than but they possibly look like they're the by a decade <laughs> I, mean, not I don't know about a decade maybe more like five but i mean years. when you're a, when you're a young adult and like the, the person you fall in love with was you met first met them when they were a child yeah that's awkward <laughs> yeah yeah awkward all right back so, back street. back back street back street's back um oh so what so what are some of the things that Kind of to, to give the question to you that you gave to me what parts of the melodrama worked for you uh, I really like locations I mean we're talking about rich people in melodrama I mean that beach house is great that little cottage is great in France I, yeah in, in France is awesome I, I liked also by the way I should mention like all those scenes of them driving on the roads in the not in Paris but in the more rural countryside, sub- countryside areas of France I made the joke that you might not get this cuz you hadn't seen the movie. I just pictured because the movie's set in 1960, 61, I pictured that at one point the car from Breathless drives by, <laughs> which has John Paul Belmondo who's acting yeah. out his Bogart routine. Yeah, there we go. Um, but then it's uh, it, it it has it has color to it. Yes. It's it's really Basically I I like the background of the whole thing. It's okay. They they take advantage of the locations without necessarily shoving into sho, shoving in your face. This is Rome, you know. You have familiar landmarks, but it doesn't like fetishize them. It doesn't dwell on them too much. It's more about the characters than it is about the area around them. But the the those areas when they do finally come to them, they look great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that, yeah, the, those parts, yeah, the, the, the locations are really good. I, again, I, I probably liked, I liked the actors themselves, generally. Again, and Vera Miles, she does as much as she can for a role that is so, like, rail thin. Yeah. Um, and kind of terrible, and such a stock, cliched, terrible woman that uh, feels kind of dated by today's standards. Well. Um, but... I I don't know what I mean by that. I guess um I in, a, w- in a way crazy women are still in these kind of movies. They've just kind of migrated into other areas. Like horror. Well, yeah, or like <laughs> The thing I the thing that might have I don't I don't know what this would but I was hoping. You know what the problem I was, was ho- with the Vera Miles thing? What we never get a sense of why she's so crazy about John Gavin. And this is what I mean before she does eventually find out that um that paul and ray are having an affair but before that she doesn't really know for sure why is she so crazy about him is it just because i'm john gavin and i'm attractive well i think i it's cl- i think it's clear that she married him for his money hmm. uh and i guess she likes having him around because he's handsome uh but other than that i she's and you know she's set up in a decent position other than that I don't understand that was again one of the problems of this why doesn't she just clean him out in a divorce I don't yeah. it doesn't make any sense I'm perhaps this maybe is, that's why we. perhaps have... this is early 2000s thinking coming into <laughs> early 2000s thinking yes okay I, 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 but wait, when you say early what, you mean like but 15 it, years you, ago but, but you mean but, early 20th I, century I, I know, hold on okay <laughs> I'm trying, Sorry. but you still don't understand, even when you hear her say it out loud, you don't understand why she's going through all this trouble to stay married to a man who she's not interested in yeah. and who is not interested in her. Exactly. And that's why I don't think I like this movie as much as you did, even though I had fun watching it, because the central conflict is weak at best and it's not convincing yeah in a lot of ways but in a way but in, but it works in that sort of trashy way yeah where it's just like my wife is an alcoholic and crazy and i can't divorce her because she might kill herself and yeah. also for other reasons that are not clear here are a few other i just want to point out a few other good lines from this uh this is an exchange between paul and ray um and uh, you know and she, he uh, he's he shows like the framed portrait of himself and he says do you think you can build a room around that? And Ray says, "Why not? I've built a life around it." Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of a weird thing too about this film, which is the, all there, the waiting. There is a very intriguing part early on where Ray, she's lost Paul; he's gone off without her. But then she does build a life for herself after that. Right now, we know eventually Paul's going to come back, but she, she, she finds a job designing dresses and she becomes a partner in that and she's doing great and then paul comes back and clearly she's still involved she's still attracted to him and then she still keeps working but we never see her work again so we're supposed to assume that throughout this film she's still been doing her job when we never see her do her job again yeah it's kind of like oh yay now i'm rich too the job is such window dressing it kind of comes yeah. when the movie needs it and then goes away whenever not and you think yeah like okay so she's a successful fashion designer doesn't that take a lot of work yeah i mean you know you can slip in an affair in, in between the cracks certainly i mean this is what rich people do <laughs> the moral of the story is backstreet is no madman okay, <laughs> um let's talk about the ending for oh, a second. Yeah. Oh God. You uh this 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 uh really tore you up, didn't you? Well this it? took well <laughs> I, I was I was I laughed my ass off. Alright, so I guess we're gonna go into spoiler territory. So but you know, this is up to you. Uh if, if, if you want to go on. Yeah. If you if you don't want Backstreet spoiled, don't <laughs> <so> go on. <laughs> now I just am getting the line from Black Dynamite right in my head. Man, do you want to go on? Yeah. Do you want to live? <laughs> okay. So go see the movie. Uh, start the podcast from here to just listen. Okay. Okay. So Paul, for some reason, decides this is the time to get a divorce. Not sure how this is different from any other time. Well, I think now that the the son got involved more, and also the wife found out. Right. And she and the wife does this big show at, at like, uh, Ray's fashion thing and. Uh, you know, calls her out in front of everybody. Yeah, uh, it's it's. Re- I don't know. All right. I feel like that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back with him. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's not like he hasn't wanted to divorce her. I I don't know if it's because he's weak willed or because there is yeah. literally legal stuff getting in the way of him divorcing her. But beyond the point. But anyway, she gets upset. She drives at full speed off the road, dies in the car crash, and Paul is paralyzed. But yeah. he lives long enough just to call Ray on the phone and say, I love you. <laughs> well, no, no, you didn't do it right. He's more like, Ray, I love uh. you. Yeah. <laughs> it- he dies My God. on the phone. He dies is in front of his son, too. Fr- oh, man. It is <laughs> It is so <laughs> That is the height. Oh my god! Of melodrama, right there. Paralyzed man, hospital bed, dying on the phone with his mistress in front of his son. <laughs> I don't know how you could top that. Yeah, I mean, unless like he was in a burning orphanage, and... <laughs> saving the little orphans, and, and from like the uh, he could be from like uh, the top floor, was... yelling at the woman, "I love you." If, ah! he, was, if he was in that hospital from Hard Boiled. That would there we go. <laughs> That would have done it. Oh wow, that's quite a reference. And goddamn. And then they even ha- they even throw in a moment, which of all things, as I mentioned to you off mic, I it reminded me of a tiny bit of what the ending of La La Land was like. Because for those of you who've seen the ending of La La Land, basically Ryan Gosling has this big fantasy sequence. If you haven't seen the ending of La La Land and don't want it to be spoiled, stop. The well, point. I, it's not. Well, it's not so much a sport. Well, it, whatever. A lot of people have seen La La Land by now. But Um, I mean, Ray has a fantasy of what if she had met Paul at that airport? Yeah, well, that's what La La Land, that was like, what if I had just kissed Emma Stone at this one moment? Like, that was that kind of thing. I would created an alternate universe where our lives would have been different. Yeah, well, that's like... But but this movie, Backstreet does it in the way of, oh, now we're going to get the... That, that weird rippling screen. The whippering screen where... And a slightly gauzy view of, of the entire fantasy. Oh, it's so maudlin. Oh, man. And then at the very end, the kids show up and... And they're like, we have no one else. <laughs> we have no other characters this is, in this movie. i got. not this up. <laughs> Literally, there is... This is the situation. Literally... The children have no one to live with, so they decide to live with Ray. (laughs) They have, like, a, I got no place else to go! (laughs) And I'm I'm not sure if this is how real life works. No! (laughs) Yeah, what the hell? Like, wouldn't there be, like, guardian issues? And then, like, what about the whole department store chain? I guess the kids get the money from that. Yeah, probably. But, yeah, so now she's rich. Well, at least we, uh, well, she was rich before but she's even more rich yeah there we go <laughs> so that sets up the sequel backstreet 2 where <laughs> no, that, no no don't do that now now we get into like we have the, the sequel would be either the daughter or the son gets into a tempestuous relationship with each other and... wow no, I, I wasn't gonna go there what oh wait uh-huh. <laughs> uh, where am i <laughs> <laughs> this moment of incest brought yeah, to you by the wages I, of cinema. I think I found the best way to make this more melodramatic. Talk about sin. We put the sin in cinema. We do. Um But yeah, that ending is kind of crazy. Um, and it made I, me because, like the movie a little bit of l- Who would want to take them, but. That, no, well, that's the sequel. It's like all the. The all way that they are in the back street of Paris or the back street of Rome, uh, I don't know recommend this oh yeah but to a certain audience well i mean you know who you are if you if you if you find this intriguing if you see if you see the poster for this movie which by the way the poster looks exactly like how you would think because it's just an image of susan hayward and john gavin kissing and then in like a little bit of a corner you get a picture of your miles (laughs) so if you see the poster you'll know if you want to watch this movie i'd say for what it is it's fine. Um, there are parts that I found wildly entertaining, but I think I had more of a problem with the conflict of the movie than you did. Yeah. Um, Why not remake it a fourth time? <laughs> I think that it's a little dated by now. Maybe. I think that most women the thing, again, but I think this is a different maybe, time where maybe divorce was looked at differently and women were a little bit... Uh, even the crazy ones. I, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I guess the message of the movie is... Does it even have a message? I don't think it does. We actually talked about this too off mic. Is there any morality or message to this? It's just, oh, well, we have this affair. The morality is be a nice person and don't marry for money. And just mm. be a good woman or man. That's a good and way of love to it. people. Sure. Is that the deepest message? No. All the things of being a decent human being. But all the bad people, the bad person in this gets punished. One good person gets punished. I guess you Possibly could... Possibly for just being a weak-willed person. Yeah. But then the other person is just like, well, I got something out of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. Backstreet.
1: Backstreet. Check it out, man.
0: Yeah, what the devil was that? Indeed. Um... I'm really glad I saw this. Uh, your mom gave us a good recommendation yeah thanks mom thanks jack's mom Uh, high five all right um and when we come back uh next uh we are going to talk about the oscars yep which will be coming up uh very